Well, we're going to dive into some real life. Anybody living a real life out there? Wait, I want to see your hands. Okay, good, good. It is everybody. Um, We've been doing this for uh, all of 2011, now in 2012, and talking about real life issues. There's some things on my heart that we're going to get into in this calendar year that, boy, you just need to pray for me because there's, there's some big topics that we're going to we're going to dive in at the right time. And I want to make sure that we're well prepared and, and uh, you know, ready when we, when we approach those things. I think all of these things are important, and I'm endeavoring to follow the Holy Spirit as far as what do we speak on each, each week. And last week, I began to talk to you about the seven deadly sins. Have you heard of them? How many of you know that all sins are deadly? <clears throat> the wages of sin is, is death. But... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So always stay on the right side of the butt there. But there's, there's consequence with, with sin. But historically throughout the, the church, uh, they came up with, and there were several revisions along the way, seven deadly sins. And these are in fact deadly like other sins, but they're also, um, they, these seem to be the real troublemakers. And we're going after the big one again tonight, and it is pride. Okay? So everybody say pride. And our goal, though, is not just to talk about the sin, but to move ourselves toward the godly virtue. And what would be the godly virtue or the counterpart of pride? Humility. And so we're, we're going to be uh, moving toward this. Let me just share a couple things with you. Last week I shared this, this quote with you, that pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone else sick, except the person who has it. Isn't that true? And pride reduced uh, the highest angels to devils. But humility can raise fallen flesh and blood to become the children of God. And so the way up is down. And we humble ourselves. and, And we need to understand that humility is a positive thing. There is a lowliness that I think is, is, uh, is self-effacing and defeating. It's a, it's a negative thing. But what we want to have is a godly humility and certainly not have pride in our life. And when I joked a few minutes ago about having pride, I think there's a healthy pride we can have. Yo? I think there's a healthy pride that we can have. Uh, but it's never about us and I did this or, or whatever it would be, you're able to put it in a proper perspective and be proud for people and, and so forth. Now, let's read a couple of verses here. And let me remind you that if you try to project this message on anybody else tonight, that's pride. Okay. This, who, who are we talking to tonight? All right. To you. James 4, 6, big verse. But he, God, gives more grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Read that part with me right there. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does grace do? It helps us. And maybe you need help. Okay, God gives, the first part of that verse says, he gives more grace. He gives more grace, but he resists. He arranges himself against the proud. God actively does this, but he gives grace to the humble. So which line should you get in? We should get in the grace line for sure. In Proverbs 16, verse 18, it said, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
Listen to Proverbs 29, 23 in the New Living. Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. So again, the way up is down. Look in Luke 14, 11. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, uh, it is best that we humble ourselves. Did you know that one day everybody, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? You know what that actually is? That's humility. That's humbling ourselves before him. And so honestly, then when we resist that now, that's actually pride. And so one day everybody's going to be humbled. It is best to humble ourselves. You know, uh, Paul talked about in Corinthians, if we would judge ourselves, then we wouldn't have to be judged. How many of you would ever, would, would rather find that you, you would rather find yourself that you have broccoli in your teeth? <laughs> than some total stranger you're talking to just looking. Do you know you got green stuff right there? <laughs> and you're like, well, that's none of your business. You know, but if we find it. If we find it, oh, 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 you know, we take care of it. How I many of you know we're a lot easier on ourselves? You know, we, we really are. But it's best that we would judge ourselves. You really are not going to grow unless you have self-awareness in your life. And that, that is a fruit of humility. Now, let's look in Luke 18. And I'm going to give you about seven things tonight. I, I don't normally prefer to do that, but the way we're going to lace them together, I think it will work out good on how to battle pride and how to actually have humility in our life. Uh, but first, let's look in Luke 18, and this is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Perfect picture of this. And he, Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and thus prayed with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Doesn't this stink already? God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And so here's a guy who spoke about 33 words, if I counted right. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Seven words, if I counted right. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, which man? Tax collector, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Get the principle here. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Is that true or not? Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Really everyone? Everyone. Don't you wish that had happened sooner for some folks you know? Lord, can I weigh in on this, you know? But everyone. And, you know, we see pride exhibited as a big part of our culture today. 
It's a big part in the entertainment world, sports world, our celebrities, uh, business world, all over the place that pride is put up as strength. And we're going to find actually that pride is weakness and humility is strength. Are you with me so far? Let's look at a number of things out of this parable and I'll kind of contrast and compare here. The Pharisee, he was confident in his self-righteousness. The tax collector assumed no righteousness of his own. The Pharisee looked down on others. The tax collector collector didn't even look up. And he felt very unworthy before God on his own. The Pharisee admits no sin. The tax collector admitted sin. The Pharisee, he could see everybody else's faults. The tax collector was only aware of his own faults. The Pharisee bragged of his religious deeds. I'll tell you what, that is one of the biggest turnoffs in the world. Church people, are y'all hearing me? That's one of the biggest turnoffs in the, in the world. And especially, well, within the church and without the church. So don't be bragging about yourself. I did this, I did this, I pray. The other day, and I'm not the big Facebook guy, pretty much what I do is I post something uh, just about every morning to just try to encourage and inspire and so forth. And I don't even know how all of this completely works, but on the side, I've noticed this column was moving and it was people and they liked this or they were now a friend with somebody or they commented on something. How many of you do know what I'm talking about here? Four of you. That's awesome. Um, How many of you do know what I'm talking? Okay. So I saw somebody I knew and I hadn't seen them in a long time. And they were commenting on so-and-so's comment. So I just clicked to see what was the comment. And it was some minister somewhere. And then I clicked and just went to his site. And it was so arrogant. And he said, I have special gifts in this, and I have a unique anointing for this, and I have, and I have, and I have, and I thought, I have to go before I get sick. (laughs) Now, you say, Pastor, you're judging him. Maybe I'm just inspecting fruit, because by their fruit, you'll know him. I hadn't told anybody about that, except several hundred people and a few thousand by the end of it. So it's just between us, okay? (laughs) But the Pharisee brags of his religious deeds. The tax collector prayed for mercy. The Pharisee exalted himself. The tax collector was justified and exalted by God. And again, it's very clear to see. Let me draw some other contrast, not so much from this parable but some contrast between pride and humility. First of all, regarding pride, God hates it. I said God hates it. Regarding humility, God loves it and he rewards it. I could, we could just close up now if we just got that, if we just know that God hates it, he hates pride, but he loves and rewards humility. With pride, a person in pride has no one to thank. With humility, you're always grateful. Grateful to God, grateful to others. With pride, it leads to ruin and destruction. With humility, it brings restoration. With pride, 
You crave the approval of others. With humility, you seek approval from God. With pride, you exert power and control, and you call that great. And Jesus said, with humility, you serve, and that's great. With pride, you see humility as weakness. With humility, you see humility as strength. So what I want to do tonight in the time that remains is give you 48 reasons. No, I'm not. I'm going to, we're going to touch on seven things. I'm sure there are more. Seven things that I feel if you will get a hold of these in your life, this will help you to battle pride, which is sin. Y'all? Amen. Pride is sin. Yes. That we can battle pride. And we can develop humility, the godly virtue of humility in our life. So number one, number one, remind yourself of how God sees pride. This is the first one. Remind yourself of how God sees pride. I just gave you a little clue a few minutes ago. How, what does God think of pride? Go ahead and say it. He hates it. He hates it. You know, if I know that my wife hates something, then I'm pretty much going to avoid that. Unless it's like food, and then I'll just say, you got yours, I got mine. You know, but, but if there's something that really bothers her or bothers a person, you, you pretty much should avoid that if you count the relationship as, as vital. Are you hearing me? God hates pride. So I think out of the starting gate, our, our attitude needs to be the thing that will help us is to remember and to remind ourselves of how God sees pride and God hates it. Guess what? God hates even a proud look. And we talked about this last week a little bit. He hates a proud look. This is still on number one. He said it is an abomination to him. Now, an abomination, what does that mean? It means it is utterly disgusting. This is worse than anything you've ever seen on TV. Fear factor included. I mean, whatever. This is disgusting to God. God hates even a proud look. Who's responsible for your look? You are. So don't be practicing looking proud, prideful. You know, we, we want to be humble in this. Proverbs six sixteen in the Message Bible, the Lord says, I can't stand arrogance. Psalm 101 verse 5 in the Amplified, it says, He who has a haughty look and a proud and arrogant heart, get this, I cannot and I will not tolerate. So just knowing this, y'all there? Just knowing that God hates this, he hates even a proud look, this should steer us away from pride. And it's not one of the seven that I will do, but this this is one of the given ones. Ask the Holy Spirit to point out to you when you do things in pride. How many of you deal with pride on one level or another at some time or another? If you didn't raise your hand, you're in pride. pride. At one point or another, it it will amaze you how many things are actually, we do this because of pride. Well, I didn't want to look bad or this or this or this or this. And so we want to be very, very careful concerning this. Why does God hate pride? God hates pride because it removes him from his rightful place in your life. And I think this too, it hinders him from, from doing all that he wants to do for you and through you. You know, when you're resistant of him, when you refuse him as your source, and, and did you know that there are real Christians 
who live in pride? It's possible for any of us, you know, uh, to get in pride. And this is why we have to battle pride. We have to battle it big time. The second thing would be this. So first of all, remember, keep in mind, what does God think about pride? He hates it. He hates it. Who else should hate it? Do you know what the fear of the Lord is? Do y'all remember my definition for the fear of the Lord? We love what God loves and we hate what God hates. So if God loves something, guess what? We do too. If God hates something, guess what? Even if before we thought it was pretty cool. You know, we change on that. Amen. Secondly, continually feed on the word of God. Continually feed on the word of God. Will you say that with me? Continually feed on the word of God. Because the word is truth. Jesus said this, sanctify them, John 17, 17. Sanctify them or make them whole through your word. Your word, O Lord, is, help me, is truth. God's word is truth. That's part of the reason it's more than a book. So pride is deception. Because when you're in pride, you think more highly. By definition, you think more highly of yourself or something that you've done. So if you're thinking more highly of something than it actually is, that's deception. I said that's deception. But humility is truth. Humility is an accurate appraisal of things. Now let's look at this. Continually feed on the word of God because it is truth. In Deuteronomy 17, and let me give you a little bit of background. The children of Israel wanted a king. They wanted the king because other people got kings. We want a king. So God said, all right, I'm going to give you a king, but I'm going to give you some, some guidelines here for having a king. So here's part of what he says. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 18 through 20. Also it shall be when he, whoever your king's going to be here, sits on the throne of his kingdom. Watch this carefully. That he shall write for himself... A copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest and the Levites. So he's going to handwrite his own copy. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. That his heart may not be lifted above his brethren. That his heart may not be lived so that he doesn't get in pride. Are y'all with me? He's to do all of this so that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So he's saying this, that the word of God, that you all the days of your life, how many days is that? I mean, not the number, but would that, could we also say every, every day of your life, should you read the Bible? But it's, it's not like a, it's not like I got to do this. Remember we talked about this Sunday. You want to get to a place where I need to do this for sure. But as you start to see the benefit, you'll love it because it will, it will protect you. Truth will protect you. And part of it, what it would not only protect him. Did you notice what it said toward the end of that passage there? It would prolong his days in the kingdom and he and his children. You care about your kids? 
Do you care about the people around you? Listen, if you fall, you hurt somebody. You, of course, get hurt, but if you fall, you hurt, you hurt somebody else. Do you understand that? Unless you're just a total recluse and nobody even knows where you are. But we have responsibility in life. And listen, when we get prideful, you're, get, you're setting yourself up. We looked at a number of, of verses already. You're setting yourself up for destruction. You're setting yourself up for a fall. Well, how can I avoid that? You know, if we knew that there was something in the air, something in the water, something around us that would cause a certain condition in us that could be very hazardous. And we said, doctor, what do I do? And he says, take one of these every day. Would you do it? The same four that understand Facebook. (laughs) Would you do it? And so one of the ways I'm telling you just supernaturally unexplainable, it's going to help you if you are in the word of God every day, not just reading it like an auctioneer, but eating, feeding on the word of God, letting it speak to you. Truth is coming into you. And you know what that will do? It will keep your heart from being lifted up. Amen. Thirdly, you're not going to like this one. Fasting. No comment. David said in Psalm 35 verse 13, I humbled myself with fasting. Now immediately we think fasting means food. And I'll tell you what, after this service tonight, I'm not fasting. (laughs) Now I do fast on occasion. Well, when do you do it? I never tell. You don't tell people. I don't tell people. And what are you doing? Fasting does not always have to be food. In the Hebrew, it means this, to cover the mouth. To cover the mouth. So, of course it is food. And that's probably the predominant way that we would think of fasting. But how many of you know you have some other things in your life you, you probably need a break from? You probably need to deny yourself from. You know, we don't, we don't make a, a, as much of a deal about Lent as some other traditions do. But my kids on their own have decided that for Lent, what is it, 40 days? That there's some things that they are giving up, that they've just put aside. Some of it is some social media, some of some other, other things that they just felt was just getting too big in their life. I didn't tell them to do it. I tell you, I'm in pride over it, though. Again, in a healthy way, it's like, wow, I I haven't even really commented. It's just like, oh, that's good. That's good. And you know what it is? It's to put yourself under. It's to put your flesh under. It's to deny yourself. And you know what? I find this to be the truth. You're a lot more humble when you're hungry. But when you're you're, uh, cocky, you're cocky when you're full. In Deuteronomy, and I'll just give you the verses here. Deuteronomy 8, verse 10 through 14, he talks about, you need to be careful that once you're full and you got the cool house and your livestock and your supplies and your reserves and all those things, in that day you start to think, my hands, my might have gotten me this. I did this. And you forget the Lord. I said you forget the Lord. And you know what? It ends in destruction. But you're way less cocky when you're hungry. Think about it. And so it does us good. It does us good to deny ourselves and not let our flesh run the, 
run the whole boat. Amen. Number four, uh, there's the three C's that we actually gained from Watchman Nee, if you know who he is, uh, of living in the body of Christ. But I think it also has to do with life in general, the three C's. And we need to avoid the three C's. So let me put it this way. Don't compete, don't compare, don't complain. Because when you compete, compare, and complain, you're in pride. You're in pride. So stop comparing yourself with other people. What did the Pharisee do? Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this guy. I want you to be very careful, too, because I think the Holy Spirit will check your heart on this. Uh, Well, I actually had this happen to me probably about two years ago, maybe about two years ago. And I'm telling you, I got the lesson in my heart. I was driving along. And actually, at the time, somebody was blessing me. Uh, some of y'all may remember this, but a, a man was actually blessing me. He owned a car dealership, and he was putting me about every 6,000 miles into a new car. Sweet car. Car I'd never buy. I just wouldn't spend that much money on a car. And that felt good. Do you remember a while back I talked about good is good? But good can go bad. And I actually found myself one day at a traffic light. And people were looking at my sweet ride. And something got on my face and in my neck. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I need to abandon this car right here and walk. A car. Are y'all hearing me? And I repented to the Lord. I just repented to the Lord. And I said, Lord, here's a blessing. Somebody blessed me with it. You blessed me through a person with this. And this is crazy. This is sick. And the Holy Spirit just stopped me on that. And I promise you that every single time I got in one of those, and even in what I drive now, my Ford, every time I would get in, I thank God. Every time I come and go from my house, I thank God. Every time I come and go from this property, and you have to know a little bit of my background, I thank God that we have our own concrete curbing. I have memories of being a little kid riding my little bike to the, to the uh, Little General. How many of you remember Little General? It was a convenience store. And getting snacks and sitting on a concrete curb. And we got our own concrete curbs here, folks. Are y'all hearing me? We have, I think we're going to start promoting the church with that. (laughs) Services 9 and 11, and we have concrete curbing. (laughs) I'm just honored. I'm humbled. I'm amazed. And I'm not kidding you either that I'm thankful that God has been so good to us. But don't compete. Don't compare. Don't complain. Don't get into competition with other people. You'll end up in pride. Don't be comparing with other people. Don't be complaining about about things. It will make you impatient. Follow me on this. It will make you impatient and touchy. You'll start to have hard thoughts. You'll start to have sharp words and you'll let all kinds of other attitudes come up. And this is one of the reasons why pride is one of the quote seven deadly sins is because all that gets attached to it. And so we need to be very careful of this. Read uh, read with me here in Colossians 3 verse 12 and 13 in the New Living. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you, everybody say that's me, 
you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness. What's the next word? Humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So who are you high and mighty that you don't forgive others? Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Did you notice that? It says you have to clothe yourself. You have to clothe yourself with, among other things, humility. And look what goes along with humility. Gentleness. Let me go back to it here. Gentleness and kindness and mercy and tenderhearted and patience. That doesn't sound like hard thoughts and sharp words. That doesn't sound like being impatient and critical of other people. Humble people are nice people. I wish y'all were here. Humble people are nice people. They're kind people. And listen, I believe that you should have convictions. I've taught about it on Wednesday. I believe you should have convictions. But I don't believe that you should just impose all your convictions and preferences on other people. That's pride. I said, that's pride. If there's an opening, if there's a right relationship, if there's a right timing, if there's a leading of the spirit, then you can share things in the right way. But it is pride for us to go around imposing our views, imposing our our preference on, on other people. And the other thing still on this, listen to people and stop interrupting people. Now you say, well, I didn't think I was in pride when I was interrupting. No, it's just a bad social habit that we have in our culture. Y'all? I was listening to a news program on, uh, on the radio on the way here this afternoon, and there was like a panel of four or five different people talking, and I just thought, what? Because they were all talking. All talking at once. I couldn't get anything out of it. But when you, and I want to remind you of this, when you interrupt somebody, and it may just be a habit, but if there was a doctor of humility standing by, they would say, oh, that person has pride very bad. They're showing all the symptoms of extreme pride because they interrupt people. Here's what you are saying when you interrupt people. I must stop you from talking right now because what I have to say is so much more important. Now that may not be your heart, but you know what? That's how you leave people feeling. And some people have been interrupted their whole life and pray that the people around you will be sensitive to that. And all of us, all of us, let's stop interrupting. Okay? I mean, you're allowed. You know what I'm talking about in relationships and different things. Humility listens. Humility, you ready for this? Can afford to listen. Because I don't have to prove something. I don't have to push something. I, I trust God for everything. That's what humility says. Number five, and I've got to hurry here. Have an attitude of gratitude. Humility acknowledges its source. Therefore, humility is always grateful. And I'm telling you what, I find this. Grateful people are humble people, and humble people are grateful people. You should be thanking God when... Did we have something to thank God for all the time? I mean, dear Lord, who else should we be thankful to? People. Pastor Ron said, my wife, that was a good answer. Two points for you. Other people. 
You should be thanking people constantly. Humble people thank people. Thank you for this. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for showing up. Thank you. And it should be heartfelt. Attitude of gratitude will keep you humble and keep you out of pride. Number six, be intentional about serving others. Be intentional about serving others. Well, who can I serve? People all the time. Did you know that a humble person can hold a door for somebody? Now, I imagine that tonight after service, nobody's going to get out. You know, it's going to be, no, let me hold the door. No, I'll do it. I got it. I got it. Let me have the door. I got it. And when you're arguing about that, don't interrupt, okay? But I mean, giving somebody a nod in traffic, giving somebody a break, your husband, your wife, your kids, whatever it would be, serve them. Just serve them. Well, I would, but they don't say thank you. Humility doesn't require thank you. Didn't require anything. I'm just serving. That's why it's called serving. And if you want to be great in the kingdom and if you want to keep stinking pride out of your life, you need, be, you need to serve God and serve others. In um, Matthew 23, 11, it says, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. So have an attitude of gratitude. Be intentional about serving others. And then one last one, and this, you, you should know this. I mean, you should think we're already going here. You should worship. You should worship. Jesus should be high and lifted up, not just at church. You, and, and I'm not trying to make doctrine out of this, although I could. I, I think scripturally, I totally could. I think that every day you should bow before God. Well, I got a bad knees or a bad back. You know what? If you dropped your car keys... You'd find a way to get it. If you dropped your contacts and it went down somewhere under the table, you'd find a way to get it. It may stretch you out and help you to be more limber. <laughs> to every morning, and, it, and, and you don't need to do it in front of the whole family. Children, come watch your father. <laughs> Just by yourself. Okay, that would be pride. Humble yourself before God. Jesus, you are high and lifted up. And me, I'm nothing without you. I can't even breathe without you. Scripture says that God made man out of the dust of the earth and then he breathed into them the breath of life and he became a living being. I have no life except for the breath that he gives me. And just to, what else do I do when I'm down there? Just acknowledge him. God, you are God and I'm not. And if you'll get that clear, life is going to work a whole lot better. And just say, God, anything good in my life, it comes from you. And anything bad in my life, I'll get through it because of you. And so I honor you and I bow before you. I mean, just find you a place. Just find you a place. Start doing it. And I'm telling you what, solitude is full of God. God will meet you at a place where you humble yourself before him. And scripture is replete. Scripture is full. The Psalms especially of times where we bow. Paul even talked about, I bow my knee. I bow my knee. I think there's something about bowing, physically bowing. Well, I don't know if I want to. It's, it's, hum, it's humility. That you bow before God. 
You know, we've got other religions in the world that everybody at a certain time of day, all of them bow. And I don't know their hearts. I don't know how real, how alive, how warm, whatever this would be. My, my job's not to judge anybody. My job is to encourage believers in the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ to humble themselves before a mighty God. Some of you, listen, some, some of you own a business and it wouldn't hurt at all to get there before everybody else and bow before a holy God before anybody else even comes in that place. Say, I couldn't have found myself, I couldn't have found my way here today without you. I wouldn't even know what to do. I don't know how to make customers come, but you do. And God, I give this to you, and I want it to be a blessing to people. And I'm telling you what, to humble yourself before, before God. Some of you are having problems in your home and in your marriage and with your kids and other stuff. You know what, that'd be a fine place to bow before God. And say, God, in this place, I humble myself before you. Rule in this place. Rule in this family. Rule in this home. I don't have anything without you. Nothing without you. And every other thing, I can get through it because of you. And when you humble yourself before a mighty God, he will lift you up. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. One of the words in the Hebrew for worship means to kiss towards like a dog licks its master's hand. That's the definition. And if you think about that, it's just that you would humble yourself before an awesome God. And I'll tell you what, you make that a part of your life. Pride will stay out of your life and you'll stay humble because you know, you know, next breath, I know where it came from. Next step, I know where it came from. Next customer, I know where they came from. Next good thing that comes in my life, I know where it came from. Next bad thing I got through, I know how I got through. And it wasn't me, it was him. Because without him, I can do nothing. Listen to me, God hates pride. Because pride removes him from the place that he wants to be in your life and in my life. And so let's humble ourselves before a mighty God. Let's keep pride out of our life. Humble ourselves. And I'll tell you what, God will bless that. Amen? Did you get anything at all out of this tonight?